Hello to everyone tuning into the Highly Optimized Podcast today. My name is Ryan Sprague, and throughout this podcast, I will be showcasing individuals who are living a life beat to their own drum, sharing their stories, and revealing their valuable information for you listeners on how you can effectively take life into your own control, what steps to take to create your own path, and how to maximize your results in manifesting your dreams in this reality. Something I've learned in the past two years specifically of going through my own deep healing work is that most of, if not all of, what we experience as challenges in our lives can be rooted back to our childhood. For me, this was a challenging concept as my parents were incredibly affectionate towards me and I had trouble remembering anything that was quote-unquote wrong within my childhood. This being said, What I was able to learn through this time is that, in many cases, it is how we perceived any event that happened as children, both quote-unquote positive or quote-unquote negative, that can lead to limiting beliefs and blockages in the rest of our lives. Today's guest on the show is a woman who is an expert in the realm of inner child healing and is someone who I am extremely excited to connect with, learn from, and share with all of you as we can all benefit from understanding our inner child better. She is a self-love inner child healing coach, a proponent of educating children vastly differently than we do currently in modern schools, which we will be getting into within the show, and is a wealth of info in the realms of holistic health and approaches designed to help one gain self-awareness in their lives so they can ultimately live the version of their life, which is the greatest and grandest in nature. So please help me in welcoming Melissa Eliyahu to the show. What is up, Melissa? How you doing? Hello, I'm amazing. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to talk about all these amazing topics and yes, fun. Yes. And we were just, you know, catching up before the before I hit record. And really, you know, uh, a great spot that I'd love to start these at is your own journey. And and we'll use inner child healing in like a certain context to send this journey, because I imagine your journey is vast in nature, right? And so I'd love to hear, you know, your own journey of how you got into inner child healing. And then maybe an explanation of like how you would put into your own words what inner child healing is for those that are listening that might be like, what is that? Perfect. I would love to do that. So yeah, my journey, it like goes back 20 years ago. Like it started 20 years ago, my my actual journey of growth and expansion. I was off in India for half a year. I went to a Vipassana meditation retreat. I had never meditated in my life, but you know, here in the north of India, Dalai Lama lives in Dharmasala. That's where the retreat was. And I was like, you know what, when am I going to ever have 10 days to just be in silence? So I'm going to go for it. And that was like literally the beginning of my great awakening because I was like, wow, the mind is powerful. The mind is like really, really powerful. And when we get quiet, wow, you just start to see the truth of all that is. And it's just really incredible. So that was kind of the beginning of it. And, you know, it's like a whole big thing around that. And so fast forward, my, when I was seven months old, my birth father died and my entire life, I was told that his death didn't affect me. And so I believed that I believed it my whole life because I'm, how am I going to, why am I going to know any different? You know, that's always what I've been fed and always what I've been told. I was a baby, his his death didn't affect me and and I didn't know any different. And so anytime, as I start to get older and I started to question things in high school, this was, I would ask my mom, like, so like, what was Tony like? Like, what was my father like? And she just was very young. She was 16 and she just didn't remember. She, she would say, I don't remember. I would ask my grandparents, which were his parents. And they just, nobody really wanted to talk about him because it was a really like difficult time. And it was a really a big tragedy. And so nobody wanted to talk about him. So I knew nothing about my father. 
And so kind of flashing forward, it like literally when the quarantine happened, it, that was when I really like, I had been on this journey for 20 years, but like when quarantine happened, it took me into the dark night of my soul. It was like a deep, deep dive into connecting to my inner child. And I did, let me think about 10 years ago, I did an inner child workshop course. It was like a weekend seminar with this lady who she was doing like in Israel healing little kids and she would go into their bodies, like kids that maybe had cancer or illness. And she would see that like their mother was in their lungs or their father was in their stomach if they had stomach issues. So she would be able to remove them and the child would heal. But then she was like, wait, I want to like teach parents how to do this. Like I can only heal so many. So I did that course with her and that really took me really deep into this inner child work. Anyway. So my father passed. I never knew anything about him. Quarantine hits. And suddenly I'm faced with my biggest test and trigger, which was my husband and all my life, all our relationship. It was like, I would blame him. Oh, he's this and he's that and he's whatever. And then I started to look within myself. I'm like, wait, what is this bringing up in me? And I really got to the core of it. And I started, and I do, this is a lot of the work that I do is trigger work as well, because within our triggers, it's like a window to our soul. And that's how we can discover our limiting belief and story that we're telling ourselves. So I was, you know, when, you know, when you're faced with your test, your biggest trigger for a year straight, you know, and so I was faced with that and it took me deeper within and I got to the core of it, which was abandonment. And then I'm like, oh, abandonment. Oh, my father dying and abandonment. And maybe it actually did affect me. Oh my gosh. It did affect me. It had <laughs> me like way more than I even could have ever imagined. And then I realized yeah. my marriage, it was like, I was getting triggered because I had this deep abandonment thing coming up. And so it took me really deep into connecting to my inner child, connecting to, I mean, this is like a whole long story I go into, but it just like, I start to connect with my father and his soul. And I understood that when you start to get more quiet and you start to get more still, you're able to connect with the other realm. And so my mm-hmm. father is with me and I look back at my life. And I was like, Oh my God, like as a kid, I had this cat that would sleep on my roof every night. That was my father. Mm-hmm. I had a, there was a hummingbird that would come every day. That was my father. And that's the thing. It's like, we we're so unaware of these things because we spend so much of our lives like in our head because of the programming, because of our wounds from childhood and the stories that we're telling ourselves Mm. and so once you kind of remove those stories then you're able to see the truth of all that is and the truth of the reality around you and those beings that are trying to connect with you and support you and so my father came through during the quarantine like went really deep into that work and he's just been like with me and supporting me like every step of the way like it's been really powerful and so something else I want to add is because this is important the inner child work is the minute I literally started to make the, and this was like, you know, 10 years ago, I started the course or whenever, maybe a little bit less than that. The minute I started to do the inner child work, like my older daughter was very insecure, very quiet, very shy, very introverted, like always shoulders down, looking down, fingers in the mouth. The minute I made the connection with my inner child, the minute I said, I see you and I hear you and I love you and I'm here for you and you're not alone anymore. The mo- I swear to you, the moment I did that, I came out of that meditation. My daughter was always very pushing me away. I didn't want to cuddle. I didn't want to hug. She opened her arms to me. She started to become more expressive. She started to become more confident. And our children are such reflections of our wounded inner child. And the minute... Yes we make that love connection with our inner child. It's like our children are like feeling the abandonment of our inner child. And then we connect with our inner child and then our children open and blossom because 
we're seeing ourselves and we're hearing ourselves. So therefore our children are feeling seen and heard. So mm. that was like huge for me. You know, that was kind of like, whoa, this work is really, really powerful. And I just feel today, like so many parents have children that may be ADD, ADHD, like a learning disability. I had a learning disability and whatnot and when I was in school. And that's another part of, we'll go into that, like the education system. But yeah. You know, so many of us are like, okay, how can I fix my child? Where do I take my child? Da, 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 all this stuff. When the truth is, is the only thing we need to do is like connect to our inner child, learn to love ourselves, understand the limiting beliefs that we're telling ourselves, the stories that we're telling ourselves, knowing that they're not true. They're just stories that we created and that we can start to release and dismantle those stories come back to the present moment, come back to love and come back to connecting to our inner child. And the minute we start to do that, that's how we really learn to have compassion and love for ourselves because, you know, we go through life, not learning how to love ourselves. Like it's the opposite. Our parents, <laughs> they don't really, you know, they, they, we don't learn that. They didn't do that. They didn't love themselves. They, most of our parents grew up in a time where children are meant to be seen and not heard. So it's yes. like completely repressed, so much repressed emotion. And so they just kind of raise us that way. We're sad if we're crying, don't be sad. And so we're just, you know, like we're not feeling seen and heard. Yeah. So we go through life like that. So we don't know yeah. how to love ourselves. And so, yeah. You know, I feel like the inner child work is a way for, cause nobody's going to love, like we can get in a relationship and hope that that partner is going to love us in a way that's going to fulfill us. And maybe for a moment, for a few years or whatever, like it'll fill us, but it's not long-term. Like the truth is, is the only one that can really love ourselves to the point where we feel complete and whole is ourselves. And so connecting with our inner child, because it's hard to just, it's hard to love ourselves. It really, it's hard to have compassion for ourselves, but by connecting to our inner child, it, it helps us to have more compassion for ourselves and more mm. love for ourselves. And so that's why I'm so passionate about teaching it. Yeah. Teaching what a beautiful journey. And, <clears throat> you know, I wrote some notes down and the first one being that, you know, the mind is not the enemy. You know, you said you, when you went to, I believe it was India, right. You were saying like, wow, the mind, the mind is powerful. And it's so funny because a lot of what I see in the self-development world and also, I mean, what I've felt at certain times and also in the realm of plant medicines too is, oh, the ego is the enemy, kill the ego. You know, all these different concepts in the mind are the enemy, quote unquote, right? And like the 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 idea that you were, you know, spitting there was really the idea of ownership, right? Saying that there's nothing that's outside of me that's the enemy, right? There's nothing even inside of me that's the enemy. It's just simply awareness that we're gaining around how we are operating and how we're feeling right and that's that's really like the basis of what i feel inner child healing is about and you mentioned something about the power of belief and you know i it's funny because i feel the deeper i go in both self-development work and plant medicine work the simpler the lessons become it it always leads to an amount of laughter because it's like wow it's really so simple and what I've got out of it is simply whatever you believe you become. Like if you believe one thing, you're going to become it because you are the creator of your reality, right? And so if you believe the world is bad, you're going to find evidence to suggest that the world is inherently bad and vice versa. You were mentioning that when things get quiet, right, you were able to see that your father was coming to you and that these things, first of all, were bothering you and getting to you and actually did have an impact on you. And then therefore, you were able to see where your father was coming in in different forms and being able to help you. And the analogy I always use for this is like, we're all a shaken up snow globe, 
right? Like wandering around. And so at a certain point, if we learn the tools necessary, we can learn the process to settle our snow globe. If you looked at the snow globe before for anyone listening, you know, if you shake it up really hard, you really can't see what's in it. It's only when it settles that you can see the beauty within it. And that analogy I love for it because there's so much beauty waiting for us. And so my my question for you is, you know, for those that might be listening right now and are like, whoa, this is really interesting. And I want to kind of take accountability or or take stock rather of what's going on inside of me. What are some signs that limiting beliefs may or may not be at work within you? Like, what are some of the feelings, thoughts, sensations that you went through when you were like, okay, something's going on. You didn't know it was your father yet. You didn't know what was going on, but you knew something was going on. What could people at home look to, to see, yeah, maybe there's something deeper. Yeah, that's a good question. So, you know, like I always say, the trigger work is really important. And it's like, I, I, I lead inner child healing workshops. And so one of the biggest parts of it is let's write down on a piece of paper, who is it that triggers you the most in your life? Like, there's always going to be people that trigger us. Like, maybe we'll have a few people, but like, there's usually one main person that really triggers us. And so what that means is that person is pushing on some deeper wound. And so when you're getting triggered, and this is what I always tell people, it's an opportunity for like growth and expansion and looking more deeply into yourself. If you know how to ask the right questions to yourself in that moment of trigger. And so now you can look at getting triggered in a whole new light where it's like, I'm getting triggered. Oh my God. Okay. This is an opportunity. Like this is exciting. This is a chance for me to not react, not get angry externally, not get angry at my partner or my mother or my friend, not get angry at the situation in front of me, but instead understand that that right there, that situation that's happening right there is there to teach me a really important lesson. And it's teaching me to, you know, go deeper within to understand what is that, what wound is it pushing on? Because the thing is, is once you heal your wounds and once you move into a state of really self-love, then you get to a point where you're, you know, your power and you know, your worth so strongly that nothing external can take us down anymore. And it's like, that's our purpose for incarnating on the earth number one is to heal all of our wounds so that we can return home to love. And then we become triggerless. So it's like, when you become triggerless, then, you know, like I'm fucking awesome. I'm an amazing, I'm amazing. Like nothing that you can say, or you can say, or you can say, can any longer take me down. Like nothing external can affect you anymore. But when you're getting triggered by those externals, then you know that there's still some wounds in there that need to be healed. So like, say it's your partner that's triggering you. So then the next part of it is, you know, and I tell my the people in my workshop, write down what feelings are coming up in the moment of trigger. I'm angry. I'm mad. I'm, I hate him. I want whatever, like write down all the feelings, every feeling that's coming up. Cause that's the first layer, right? Like the yes. first layer is like, what are the feelings? What's coming up? What feelings, you know, a lot of time it's anger because triggers bring up anger. And then, but then the next part is, okay, what story am I telling myself? And that's when we have to get really quiet in the mind. And really connect to, okay, what story am I telling myself? Oh, he doesn't want to be with me. He's not interested in me. I'm not wanted. I'm alone. I'm, oh, I'm afraid. What am I afraid of? Abandonment. I'm afraid of being alone. I'm afraid of being abandoned. Or, you know, I'm not feeling seen. I'm not feeling heard. I'm unimportant. I don't matter. I'm worthless. So it's like everyone has a different limiting belief. And there's a lot of different limiting beliefs that we might have. Mine was abandonment. And when I got to the core of that, I was like, oh my God, like, it's not my husband that is doing this to me. It's my own wound. And as I heal that wound of 
oh, I'm not alone. I'm never alone. Actually, I'm more supported than ever because not maybe in the physical, but on the spirit realm, like we have our angels and our guides that are with us, supporting us, rooting us on every step of the way. And the more that we heal and the more that we get present, the more they're like sitting on our shoulder right here. And like, yes, you guys, like, they're so happy when we get to that place. Like here we are. Yes. We've been here trying to support you and guide you. And now you finally got present and you healed and you know, you moved into a state of love and we can actually get the clear messages through without all the in-between. And then you reach out and you ask for support and it can take it to a whole nother level. But, you know, that's basically the core of doing the um, trigger work is really kind of like starting to break it down and ask yourself in the next moment you get triggered, look at it as an opportunity and be excited about it and be like, Oh my God. Okay. This is a chance for me to grow and to heal. Like it's not my partner. As much as it might look like they're doing something to you, maybe they're raising their temper. Maybe they're, you know, so on a physical level, yeah, they're doing something and it's hurting you and they're being mean or they're being this way or that way. But on an energetic level, when you go deeper within like, Oh wait, like number one, why am I allowing that ex- like expression, like that form of expression. And what is it that's like, honestly, like what's it bringing up in me? That's the core of it all is going really going within and just asking myself, like, what is the story I am telling myself? And then you just keep, you, you can get like, once you have the right questions and you ask yourself the right things, you can pretty easily get to the core story. And like most of the people in my workshops are able to like get to it pretty quick, just through mm. me guiding. Cause you got to get quiet in the mind first. You really do yes. because you can't go at it from a thinking mind. Cause if you're trying to think it, it's not going to come <laughs> quiet. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It reminds me of that quote. I believe it was Albert Einstein. You can't solve a problem with the same level of thinking that created it. Right. And, you know, and, and it's funny you brought up the, you know, the spirit guide you know part there because like I was saying before, some of the downloads I get, especially when I'm on deep meditations or especially in deep plant medicine ceremonies are the simplest things, right? And, you know, we're talking big about inner child healing here, right? And so accessing the inner child, it's really as simple as a warmer, colder game, right? With the universe that you're playing, right? It's like you go try a new flavor of ice cream, right? And you're like, ooh, that that was really good. You're like, eh, I'm not going to do that again warmer or colder, right? You interact with a person, right? And they either beam you up or they drain your battery. It's like, okay, warmer, colder, right? You you start gaining more awareness in, in your own being, right? Warmer, colder, right? Did this help me? Did this hurt me, right? And then you were mentioning things happening to you, right? And the, the opportunity there to look at them as happening for you. The big download I got here, which happened a few years back, was the event still happened, right? It happened regardless, right? So there's no change in that. The only thing we can change as individuals is whether we choose to see that as happening to us, victimhood, or for us, aka this was perfect. Thank you. It was about time this happened because now I'm ready to heal what is coming up there. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, trigger culture, and I love getting into this because as we were talking about before we hit record, you know, certain people, right now, especially are meant to be feather rufflers. And I feel as though there's a big push by certain people to almost censor, right? And say, hey, that hurt me. So you can't say that, right? And I'm curious, you know, as seeing triggers as an opportunity, and I love using, we were chatting before also about language, right? Changing one of the things I love asking people is what is the main problem in your life right now? And so they stated, and I go, okay, cross out problem, put opportunity. Okay, what's the main opportunity in your life now, right? And that allows them to go, oh, interesting. Okay. And if they choose to see it as like, oh, it's happening for you, they can dive into it. And so I'm curious, you know, what are your, what is your viewpoint on what's happening right now? 
with regards to this all happening for us with trigger culture, with more and more people getting triggered and more and more people trying to censor what, you know, hurts them and all of these things. Where do you think that's coming from? And where do you think we go from here? Like what, like what's your, what's your perfect day, if you will, for why this is all happening for us? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, on a more global level, we are literally like each and every one of us are, we're living, we chose to incarnate on earth at this time. Like this is a time in history that has never happened before. Mm -hmm. We are living at an insane time. It's kind of like we're going through this energetic battle between the dark and the light forces. And it's really a crazy, crazy time. And what it's doing is just like on the earth, it's bringing up all the darkness, everything that's been kept in the dark since the beginning of time is now slowly making its way to the surface. So we're seeing things and truths and more censorship than ever, like we were just talking about. But what happens is when the earth is going, we are so connected to the earth on an energy level. And so as earth is going through this big shift and all this stuff's making its way to the surface, the same thing is happening within us. So like for those of you guys listening in, I'm sure you're everybody I know, everyone I talk to is going through like a major shift in their life right now. And it's very much remembering that we're connected to the earth. And for me, I like, I'm going through a huge shift in my life, complete transformational shift you know, we all are. And so, but what's really getting me through it is understanding that it's not just me on my own. Like we're all going through it together. We're like, we're like trucking through, we're, you know, we're climbing the mountains, whatever it is. And on earth, you know, like we're going through a shift on earth. And so all this stuff that's coming up to the surface right now is coming up to be healed and it's to be addressed and to be looking deeper into. And so I feel like for me in my life, I've just gotten to the point where Again, I'm also like a big plant medicine fan. Mm, And so through the plant medicine, because like we talked about the plants were, were put here, I believe actually like, you know, we've been using plant medicine for a very long time, but I think that right now with what we're going through on the earth, we're going through a mass ascension and a mass awakening. Like so many people have been reaching out to me. Oh my God, what are you going to do? Are you going to leave California? Like, are you angry? I'm so angry. And I'm like, no, because I just see through the illusion. Like this isn't permanent. Okay. They're, they're the vaccine passports, like all this stuff. I'm like, it's not a permanent thing, you know, like yeah. it's a temporary thing until we kind of like awaken more people and we shift out of this old paradigm and out of ego centered living and move more into a state of love. And so, you know, like I just trust and I continue to trust that all is happening for our greater good. This is part of the awakening process. We are moving into, like I said, like more heart centered living. And so each individual, one of us are also going through that shift in order to move into more heart centered living because we can't live in that space when we've been controlled by ego since the beginning of time. And so we each have that because the ego, you know, we, as long as we can balance the ego, it's good. But when the ego controls us, then it's not good anymore. And mm-hmm. so, you know, we're moving into the space of kind of learning how to heal those deeper wounds so that we can live more in a heart centered space and connect to our spirit and connect to the soul because we forget we've we've been programmed like this goes back seven plus generations we go through the education system we've been programmed since the beginning of time to separate be separate from ourselves so we've never really known the truth of who we are and so this is a time that we're at this crossroads of us really being forced and pushed through all the tests and through all the triggers and through all the craziness that's happening in our lives to go deeper within And like for me personally, and I know this will be like maybe a book one day that I'll write, but what I'm experiencing in my personal life, most people would literally fall apart, 
crumble, be in depression, like all of this stuff. And I have used it for my greatest growth and expansion. I used it by allowing it to push me instead of being depressed and down and why me and how am I going to move forward in my life and what am I going to do and all that. I pushed it. My, I've used it to push me deeper into loving myself, connecting more to like the present moment, my angels, my guides, and trusting and knowing that everything is unfolding for our highest good. So it's like whatever's coming up, whatever people are affecting you in your life, whatever tr- triggers and tests, financial issues, just remembering that it's all happening for our greater good. And the more that we can have compassion for those people, even the people that are triggering us, even the people that are being mean and angry and like the, even the government, you know, like how can we have compassion because they're just doing what they've always done. They've been, they're in control. They're being controlled or whatever. And so they're just doing what they've always done. They have hurt wounded. I look at it going back to inner child because you know, the government and the system, for example, they are all just like wounded, little hurt, little, they're like working from a wounded space because anyone that can do things from a state of ego like that mass control, manipulation, programming, it's all ego centered. And so whatever wrongdoing someone is doing to you in your life, and this has really pushed me into that space within my own personal life is how can I have even more compassion for them? Because as you have more compassion for them, you have compassion for yourselves. And then it comes back to not abandoning ourselves because when we go through difficult times in our lives, so much of the time it's difficult because we abandon ourselves. But as long as we stay true to ourselves and continue to love ourselves and not abandon ourselves, then we can get through pretty much like anything, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, as they say, misery loves company, right? And and so what I see, because I, I view it a very similar way to, to, to what you view it as, these people are most likely working unconsciously, right? They don't know why they're doing what they're doing. They're just doing what they're told. They're programmed to think this is the right thing. And so if we decide to become miserable and think they're doing this to us, it's us against them, which is essentially exactly what we're saying we don't like in them, right? The divide and conquer thing. Then they ultimately, if if there's one side that wins, it ends up being them because we bring ourselves down to match their vibrational level instead of being the example of how we can raise ourselves up and influence the people around us like battery chargers, you know, and it was so great what you brought up about California, right? And I'm I'm in Massachusetts, but I've been to California quite a few times and and I love it there. And also the number one thing I hear from people is either one side or two side of the argument, either, yeah, it's great, everything's cool, or like, oh my God, it's the worst, things are falling apart. And I'm like, I've been there and I'm like, huh, interesting. Like, uh, doesn't seem like uh, there's there's fires everywhere in the street and like people are rioting or anything. And it reminds me of that whole idea that someone asked me recently, do you watch the news? And I'm like, no, why would I watch the news? They're like, how do you know what's going on? And I said, listen, there's seven and a half billion people on the planet. And this world is gigantic. Anything is going on right now. Anything you want to find is going on right now. There's horrible things going on. There's miracles going on. So all that matters is where do you want to put your focus? Because that's all that really matters. If you choose to put it on negative things that ultimately you can't change something in, you know, uh, Afghanistan, for instance, it's going on right now. It's like, yes, we feel terribly bad, but at the same time, what we can do as individuals is make sure that we are coming from a place of love. So therefore we can influence those people that might be unconsciously coming from a place that they're not aware of. And they come around someone like us and they go, Oh, interesting. I felt better. And maybe that can be that shift for them. Right. And that's how we actually heal the planet. That's my best guess so far. Anyway, (laughs) exactly what I always say. I mean, like, 
You know, when I would always get, people would give me a hard time. Oh, you don't watch the news. I'm like, listen, I'm a light worker. I'm here to spread love and light. And if I'm watching the news and that's lowering my vibration, it's putting me more in a state of fear. And I can't help to support the healing of earth because then I'm back in this state of like control and manipulation. And then as we are in that state of love and we are able to keep ourselves at that higher vibrational frequency, we don't even realize how freaking powerful we are as human beings. But when we have an open heart, like we affect a huge amount of people. We affect the earth, the trees, all of it. And so by keeping our heart open, like you said, like you could go to a store and have one person that you smile at with your energy, but it's such love energy. They receive it and it shifts their whole day. And then they shift other people and then other people shift other people. And then, it, you know, like continues. We don't realize the power that we have within us. But when we're stuck watching the news and feeding into the programming and the stories and the fear, you know, like I was just I did a video the other day on my Instagram and I just said, like, what we're, what are we putting our energy and our focus on right now? The entire earth is putting their focus on the virus, on everybody needing to get a shot. And that's what all of our focus is on. So when you have all your focus on, on that, then you expand upon it. So of course we're in the situation that we're in, but if we start to connect back to love and to presence and not get dis distracted by the externals and what's going on out there, and we start to shift our internal state back to that of love, then we, ex we shift our external reality back to that of love. So yeah, it's like the most powerful thing we can do, which is why the inner child work is like, so supportive of that. It's everything. Yeah. And it's funny because, you know, I'll have people say like, oh, that sounds, you know, hippy dippy or something like that, you know, connecting to love. And it's like, you realize that we've only been not connecting to love for the last like couple hundred years. And look how that's turned out as a society, right? Like with, I mean, uh, slaughterings and all these, you know, terrible things that happen when, when you look back to like the ancient Egyptian times and things like that, what we know of them was they were much more right-brained. They were much more present. They were much more in their experience and they were focused much more on the things that make human beings so special, right. And a part of everything that is so special on, on earth and in the universe and everything, which is our feelings, right? Like our, int our intuition, our clairvoyance, our clairaudience, all these senses that we all have the ability to access when we allow the mind to quiet. And, you know, the funny thing is that the analogy I make is that our minds, because of the way we've been programmed, like you were talking about for seven generations now, you know, our parents and their parents and their parents' parents, you know, our mind essentially starts going to the gym the second we're born. Because our parents are typically operating from a sense that the mind is who they are. And that's it pretty much, right? That's that's most, I mean, that's as much as I went into it before I got into this work, right? When I was 15, 16, before I had my, my first dark night of the soul. And so what I always see is, you know, the mind is supposed to be the passenger in the car, right? If we're going to use a car as an analogy. And the challenge is that we have through religion or through whatever, lost the actual idea that the mind is supposed to be that passenger. And so what happens is our mind goes to school for years, right? And, and essentially goes bodybuilding in the gym and takes over. And there was a tradition, I believe in India, for a long time where kids, when they were born, were basically allowed to be kids until they were 12, right? Like they weren't giving any like teachings in school. I mean, they were taught, you know, things about the land and things like that. But when they were when they were put in a position where they were asked at 12, like, OK, do you want to go continue to learn and shape your mind, right, intellect and all of these things? If so, what is needed of you is to expand your identity into a global citizen so that you realize as you start training your mind that you're aware that the mind can run amok. Right. And so at least if you understand that you're a global citizen, 
you, the mind is not going to run you into a muck of divide and conquer us versus them. You meet someone from Alaska, oh, brother, sister. I mean, there's no difference, right? We're all human beings. And that is something I feel is so powerful. And it brings up perfectly a subject that I wanted to talk to you about since first, you know, learning about you uh, was the whole educational system, right? And I'd love to hear, you know, your kind of viewpoints on it. I imagine, you know, you have many, but some that have allowed you to to school your kids in a different way than modern day education might. Yeah, for sure. That's something I love to talk about too, because, you know, I'll go back to my own experience. And I think a lot of us probably had this experience in school, but, you know, it's like, if, if you don't learn inside a box, like there's people that are left brain and people that are right brain, more like, logical, but then there's the creatives and the creatives are more likely to not fit into a box. Mm. And so I'm definitely more of a creative and literally like in second grade, I was taken out of my class and put into special class, a special class to take my test because I needed more time on my test. Well, you're in a class of like 25 kids and like literally they take you out of the class when you, you know, you're young. So of course you're going to put some story to yourself like, oh, mm-hmm. so I created a story that something's wrong with me. My brain doesn't work right. And for 20 years of my life, I would have my mom take me to psychologists, psychiatrists, brain doctors, put these things on my brain to like find a problem. Cause I knew there was something and I was I diagnosed with auditory processing disorder and all of this stuff. But the truth is, is, you know, once I went to landmark education and I was able to remove that lens in which I was viewing myself, I realized, oh. There's nothing wrong with my brain. My brain just doesn't like it. It doesn't like it works differently than the system. You <laughs> yeah. know, like the program. <laughs> yeah, I'm like my brain. I, I just don't learn in the way that the school teaches, and the school only teaches one way. It was built for factory workers. The educate public education system was built for factory workers to go and get a job working for other people. But yet, why would I want my children to go work for other people when? Each of us come into this world with our own unique gift and our own purpose. And once we get quiet and tap within, to go within, we're able to tap into what our unique gift and what our purpose is. So like, why would I want my child in a system that's created for you to go work for someone else? Like, I want my kids to work for themselves, to do the thing that they're most passionate about and that they love, not to like, you know, be in the system And so I um, had my kids always in an alternative like Waldorf school. And then up until like when quarantine happened, just before, like a month before it happened, my oldest daughter, I ended up taking her out of the Waldorf school and started homeschooling her. Mm. And it was like the best thing ever. I'm like, oh my God, she could just like come to yoga classes with me and she can <laughs> hiking with me and we can meditate together. And like, it's a really strong deprogramming of ourselves too, because there is definitely those parts of me that's like, no, I need to teach her reading. I need to teach her writing. I need to teach her numbers. I need to teach her math. Like there were, it's like for the parents that choose to take their kids out of the education system. Like it took me a year to realize like, oh, I don't need to like be pushing all these subjects on my kids like they when they are ready they will show interest and they will want to start to learn which is what I'm seeing with my kids which I'll share about but it's like we've been so programmed to believe that by seven they need to be writing reading by eight they need to be writing by this and it goes back to even from the time they're born and I always raise my kids in a way where I never held their hand to walk I let them do it on their own I never put them up in a sitting up position they got there on their own I never put them on the tummy for tummy time they got there on their own and I always raise my kids in that way where it's like creating that independence like they and they're the most independent people ever is like learning to get there on your own time. And yeah, she didn't walk at a year old and by a year and a half, she started walking. But so many people were like, oh, it's so late though. She hasn't, she's not walking yet. I'm like she'll walk when she's ready. I trust mm. in that. And it's kind of the same with the education. It's like, you know, so many people, my daughter just turned eight. She's reading, but she's not like reading like eight year olds that are in the public system that have been, mm. you know, pushed to do all that. 
And so like, you know, there's certain people in my life that are like, oh, well, she, she needs to be reading more and she, she should be writing by now and did that. And I'm just like, I, it took me a while to get to the point where I'm like, I just trust in the fact that she'll get there when she's ready. She'll start yes. reading. She'll start writing when she wants to pick up a book and really start reading. She'll get into it. And the same thing with writing. And so what I do with my girls is I do unschooling. So I pulled my daughter out of school and then my youngest one was in another alternative school. And I was like, wait, this is amazing, actually. Like, you know, because the other thing is, is you put your children in a class with 20 other kids, each kid and your children don't know themselves that well yet. And all these kids are bringing in the energy from their parents and they're bringing that energy to the classroom. And every time I picked my kids up, it was like so much intense energy and a lot. And it was like this disconnect and I couldn't even communicate with them. And it's like they're taking on the energy from all of these kids in the classroom. And then it's like creating so much separation because then the kids are comparing themselves. Oh, you got an A on the test. You got a D on the test. You got like, it's all just creating so much separation yeah. and comparison and all of that. And I'm not good enoughness, which is most of us go through lives. I'm not good enough. I'm not enough. I'm unworthy. And so through me pulling both of my girls out and doing the unschooling approach, which is basically like just letting them play and have fun. Mm. Through playing, oh my God, like they learn so much. And in the Waldorf philosophy, it's not until eight years old that you introduce even like reading or any of that stuff, because Mm. we believe that in order to build the brain, the neural pathways and like develop the brain in the most beautiful way possible, you have to let them just play. And through playing, they are creating. And so, you know, my kids, like my two girls, they're just all day long. They're downstairs somewhere playing outside. They're just <laughs> creating worlds. They create fairy worlds and they do the most amazing things and they'll find sticks and then they'll find a leaf and then they'll put a leaf on a stick and be like, look, we're roasting marshmallows and like create this fake fire and put like little stones. And, you know, like that to me is real school. Yeah. And so, you know, and then, and then there's just so much, I mean, there's so much to it. Like my oldest daughter wanted to start making jewelry. So she started making jewelry and then she's like, let's sell it. So then we started selling it. Then she started making money. And then we learned like, okay, we spent this much on buying beads and you got this much in money. So let's subtract what we cost, what would it cost us to what we made? And then that's your profit. So it's like, there's other ways of teaching math to kids that aren't like sitting in a book in a classroom and having to write, do your times table or multiplication yes. table or addition and subtraction there's just such better ways of doing it and like that actually stick and the children actually like learn. And so I'm just kind of raising them in this way where they're in my oldest daughter just the other day got found a journal. She's like, I'm going to have this be my diary. And so now she's like super into writing. I didn't force it. I didn't push it. I didn't sit her down and be like, Hey, now write your A's now write your B's now write your C's. She just did it and she picked it up and she's just writing every day in her journal. And she just started doing it because she wanted to do it. And I just feel like if we just allow our children the space to just kind of be, then they get to discover who they are because so many of us don't know who we are. We like go off to college because we're told that's what we need to do. We get a job because we are told that's what we need to do so that we can make money to have a family and buy a house and continue in the rat race and not ever truly discovering what is, what is my sole purpose for incarnating on the earth? And each of us have a purpose. And so by, by raising my children in this way where I'm unschooling them, it's bringing them closer to knowing who they are. And it's allowing me to see their gifts. You know, like I'm seeing one of them is like super teacher. Like she could totally be a teacher. She loves teaching. She's passionate about it. Like anything she can do that she's teaching, she loves it. My other ones into dancing and moving and singing and performing. And, you know, it's like all these things I wouldn't have known if I was just putting them in the system every day and taking them to school. Like a lot of those 
get doled out when the kids, yeah. you know, they, it kills creativity. The education system just crushes their creativity. It makes them comparison and hard on themselves and insecure and all these things. And it's just like so backwards. Whereas when we just pull them out and start to let them be who they are and get to know who they are, which is something that we've never been really taught. That <laughs> from that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Then they discover the truth of who they are and then they discover their gifts. And who knows, by the time my daughter would have been in maybe fifth grade, she already have a business on Etsy selling jewelry or making clothes, <laughs> a clothing a machine to sew clothes. She wanted a sewing machine, you know? And so who knows, but yeah. through giving her the opportunity to be like, Hey, will you give me a sewing machine so I can like, sew? so then they can learn for themselves what they're into. It's not from the externals pushing them in that direction, you know? Yeah, I love that. Like all of that is exactly like that just feels like such a yes from my inner self. And, and it's, you know, when I look at the things that my parents did the best, you know, I was in public school, but they always like, were like, yeah, you want to try that? Go do it. Yeah, you want to do this? Go do that. We'll buy you a guitar. We'll do this, right? And those, I feel like, are the things that saved me, right? Because I am definitely that right brain type. And I did okay in school. Like, uh, I could, I figured out loopholes. I'm a loophole guy. So I was like, okay, if I do my homework in class, I can do whatever I want when I get home. I knew that stuff from an early age. So I luckily was able to work around a lot of that. But what I loved about what you said was you perfectly stated that really it's like, what is the context for all of this stuff? Like when they're teaching kids writing, when I learned writing, I'll put it more personally. When I was learning writing, it was just, okay, I'm writing letters. Why? I don't know. I'm just writing letters, right? There was no context for why I was learning it, what I could do with it, right? And they were essentially teaching you what to learn, not how to learn. And that's the big difference I see between like the Waldorf schools and a typical public uh, school education system is that in a Waldorf school, they're teaching kids how to learn, right? To be able to use that on whatever the hell they want to learn. What I loved about, you know, what you were speaking about too, is that you're linking it to what they love, right? So for instance, you know, your daughter wanted to, you know, make jewelry and then sell it. And it was like, okay, cool. Now you're learning math as it applies to what you already love doing with that. And then maybe you put that down tomorrow and you never do it again. Cool. Awesome. Right. You'll learn math through another way. Right. And you'll learn writing through another way. Now you want a journal. Awesome. Now you can learn about writing. You know, it's, it's really allowing them to become the creator and remember that. And it's so funny because, you know, I can almost hear certain people saying like, oh, you know, uh, you know, how could that be efficient and all these things that are more left brained? What I really want to tell them is in my own personal experience, in my own business, right, creating my own business and also watching all of these, you know, 16 to 18 year olds uh, start their own business on YouTube and make metric hell tons amount of money over their parents. It's like, what kind of life do you really want? in general, right? Do you want to end up working for someone else and essentially helping them create their dream? That's not inherently bad, but at least have the choice, right? To do that. Say, yes, I like being, you know, in this role where I don't want to be in the limelight, but I do enjoy helping someone else do that. That's cool, right? But like you were saying, these schools are set up to make people factory workers. I mean, if for anyone who's thinking, really? Just think about it. You answer to bells for everything. Class changes, a bell. Lunchtime, a bell, right? What do factories have? Bells. And it's outdated because how many of us are really working in factories, especially if we consider what just happened in 2020? I mean, how many people are now reconsidering or not at all working in a public setting at all? 
You know, it's it's yeah, so exactly. interesting. <laughs> so many parents that aren't putting their kids like in school and have found homeschool pods, you know, because it's all part of the great awakening. Like all these systems that have been in place for such a long time, the education system, the money system, the, the pharmaceutical system, like mm-hmm. all of it is not working and it hasn't been working yet. Why are we continuing to use these systems that aren't working? So now yes. we're moving into that. It's like a shaking, dismantling, falling apart and crumbling of that, which is no longer working and no longer serves us. That's yeah. It. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I love to do myself is, you know, connect with my inner child and allow myself to enjoy play. We were talking about, you know, before we hit record about, you know, my weekends now, you know, I used to be in the mindset of, oh, I have my own business. I got to grind all the time. You know, we were joking about the whole grinding analogy. I got to grind all the time and I got to work till I drop and seven days a week and all these things. And sure, if you want to burn out, do that. I mean, I did Every single health thing you could possibly imagine, my sleep was optimized, everything, and I still was burning out faster than I could ever imagine doing it that way, right? And then what I started doing is giving myself time on the weekends to connect with friends, to play what I enjoy playing, which is like can jam, uno, bike rides, just like go to the beach. I mean, just forget about, you know, typical life for a little bit. And what I was noticing was, yes, logically, that didn't make any sense, right? From what I learned and what I was programmed to do, right? It didn't make any sense that I could spend less time and get more done. But what I can tell you, having been on the other side of that and still my logical mind wondering, how is this making sense? What I can tell you is that I'm getting much more energy throughout my week. I'm getting much better results overall with my business, with sales, whatever metric you want to, you know, put it attached to or attach it to. But I'm curious for you, what are some of the ways in which you teach your clients and the people you work with to connect back to their inner child? Are there some cues that you use to allow them to discover what their inner child is yearning for? Maybe where they might start to be like, okay, cool. What did you love doing as a kid? Go try that. Things like that. I'd love to hear yeah. what your explanation is of that. Yeah. I mean, definitely like what you said, really looking into what, cause like, especially as parents, you know, you get into, and even as like husband, wife type thing, you get into these roles and it's just, again, goes back to the programming, but we get into these roles of like, okay, now I'm a mom or now I'm a wife. I need to take care of my husband. I need to make sure there's food. I need to make sure the cooking and the cleaning and the laundry is done and all these things. And we put ourselves on the back burners because, you know, again, our parents were raised in a time where the mother stays at home and takes care of the house and the kids and the cooking, and the cleaning, and the father works. And that was the role. And so we continue the pattern and their self-care was on the bottom of the list. Like if they even put their self-care there. Yeah. And so I think that really the most important thing we can do, especially as parents. And sometimes like I hear a lot of moms say this. Yeah. But like, you know, I need to be with my kids or I need the thing I've realized is the less, the more time that I make for myself to fill my glass full <laughs> and do the things that I love to do, the more filled up our children are and the less they need us and the more independent they become. Because like <clears throat> when we take care of our needs and our glass is full to overflowing, then they're not needy. The only ch- reason our children are so needy of us is because we're needy of our time. We're like lacking it. We're not making time for the things that we love to do. And so it's really like for parents out there, you know, like if you can get a babysitter or you can have your partner or friend or family, like be with your kids more and try to make more time, the more time you make for yourself, it's like you're investing into the future of your children as well, because it's like, you know, our, our children, all they need is to see the mother, the parents filled up their glasses full or the, the father too. And so really the number one thing I always say is look, look into the things that you love to do. Like for me, I love surfing and running and hiking 
and, you know, writing all these things that for me that I love that fill my glass full. And I know that when I'm making sure to fit those things in, my glass is on full. I'm feeling amazing. You know, my girls are full to overflowing. Like, it's all good. They don't even barely need me. I'll come sit with them. They're like, oh, what are you doing here? I'm like, I'm playing. Leave me alone. You know, it's like that. Whereas so many parents think that like, it's their job to just make sure to like sit but it's like, it's the more we're present with ourselves and the more that we're seeing ourselves, the more our children feel energetically, they're like feeling seen and heard. So they don't even need us. They're the only reason they're really needy of us is because we're not seeing and hearing ourselves. We're not connecting with our inner child. So yeah, I think the number one thing is really taking care of our needs, putting ourselves first, making sure to find the things that like fill you up. And then also the second part of that is once you start to do the inner child work and once you start to connect with your inner child and you really give them that safe space and, you know, allow them to feel seen and heard from that space of quiet, then they will start to open up to you and share with you like, okay, like how can I support you in your deeper healing? Like, what do you need from me to help support your healing? And so then they'll open up be like play more, like connect with me, just hold me, love me, hug me. Like it's all the messages will come through. And a lot of time it's really just like, you know, giving that love and that attention because that's all that little girl or boy needed and that they never received as a little child. It was to really be seen and heard. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing for so many of us is we don't really see and hear ourselves and we just get distracted by the externals and then we abandon ourselves, which is why the inner child work is so important. It's a way to like stop abandoning ourselves and just connect to that little child inside and to start to see and hear them and then work together as a team. Like, okay, how can we support each other's healing right now? And then we work together to support the healing. And then it kind of like goes from there, but the messages come through once you get quiet and once you start to connect to presence and you connect to that inner child, she's got, or he's got so many messages for us as to maybe even what happened at that age that comes through and like, how can I help you to heal that? What can I do? Um, you know, we're just, we're so powerful and we just give our power away all the time, left and right to externals. Whereas we need to, you know, and another belief that parents have is like, oh, but that's being selfish. Like if I put my needs first, I'm like, well, you got to be selfish because if you're not taking care of your needs and you're not putting yourself first, then everybody around you is depleted. And so in order to like, you know, help everyone around you, you should put yourself first, put that oxygen mask on first, you know? Yes. (laughs) I love the selfishness thing because it's so true. And, you know, I I have a book that I love. It's called Selfless Selfishness, right? Which is basically exactly what you were saying. It's like, hey, I'm not being selfish in the way that society has made the term selfish mean, which is I have other obligations and I'm only caring about myself, right? This is saying, hey, I really value every person and everything, my business, whatever in my life. And so therefore, I realize and understand that in order to show up as my full self, I get to come first. And that doesn't mean that other people don't get to come after, but it just means that it's it's an awareness and a priority, prioritizing of you know, who gets your attention first. Because if you give it to yourself first, then you'll be pouring from that empty cup, I mean, from, an, from a full cup every time. Yeah, well, that's exactly it, 100%. And it's like, it's just kind of, again, it all goes back to the programming and all Mm. that we've been led to believe for such a long time. And as we start to take care of our needs and start to focus on, okay, what does Melissa need, actually? What does Melissa want? 
Cause that's something I realized for me in my life, like my whole life is dependent upon my partner and like making sure he was good and he was happy or my kids and making sure everyone around me was happy and good and in a good space. Whereas then I put my knees on the back burner. And I think that's what a lot of us do. And what about like what I want? What do I want? This is my life. I get to yes. choose to be happy. I get to choose what I want and what I want to do. So, you know, like, let me do that and do yeah. more of that and start to, you know, take care of ourselves and, the more, the better we take care of ourselves, the better we support everybody around us, our family, our friends, whoever it might be. So for sure, I feel like right now, like all of what we're going through, it's kind of pushing us to this deeper understanding of who we are and bringing up all this stuff to the surface to be released so that we can connect more deeply with the truth, with the truth of who we are, with our light. I mean, Ultimately, we're pure love. That's what we are. And the only thing that's gotten in the way of that is our stories that we've told ourselves, the belief systems, or the reason we feel like we, we don't deserve being like taking care of our needs and that we need to put everyone else first is because of our own insecurities, unworthiness. But like, you know, each and every one of us deserve to be happy, to feel good, to do the things that we love to do like every day. And we should be, you know, feeling totally lit up in our lives and, you know, one day when we pass, our soul leaves our body. This is like a, such a sacred and amazing experience that we get to have here on earth. And one day our soul leaves our body and then we come back to love. And we're like, wait, why didn't I embody that when I was already in my body? <laughs> yeah. And we have the opportunity now as we're going through this shift to be like, oh, I can be love and I can live in it from a state of heart centeredness and from a state of love. And not get pulled into all the fear-based stories, programming, and all that kind of stuff. But instead, choose to come back to that which I am, come back to the present moment. You know, and that's another thing with the education system. We've always been led to believe that we need our thinking mind. We need our thoughts in order to, you know, pursue whatever it is that we want to pursue in our lives. Yet our thoughts actually don't serve us at all. It's the quiet. When we get quiet, when we get still that's when we start to tap into who we truly are. And that's when all the inner wisdom comes through, all the messages come through. Like if you want to tap more fully into your purpose, it's not going to happen from a thinking mind. You have to get quiet and you have to get still and you have to go within and start to really, you know, hone in on that. And of course it's, it's hard because it goes back so many generations, but once you become aware that, Oh, I don't need my thoughts actually. Like all I need is to be fully 100% in this present moment at all times. And then the minute we start to embody that more and start to become more present, then we're more connected to love already because we're not in our program. And then we, and then the universe is opens its arms. and It's like, Oh, you finally are ready. Here you go. Like we've been taught that it's out there. We need to run there. We need to go here. We need to do that in order to get the things that we want. But the truth is all those things are already there waiting for us to be ready. And the minute that we're ready, then we come back to love and presence the universe opens its arm oh here on a silver platter there's this here's that there's this this opportunity that opportunity and i'm seeing it in my own life you know like yeah. as i started to connect back to presence and connect back to love it's like overwhelming opportunities i'm like oh my god like ah there's so much <laughs> yeah the universe is well you're ready now so here you go take it yes all. yes yeah the universe does not understand reason you know it's like we put those beliefs on ourselves oh well you know, that's too big of a pipe dream. It's like, really? Why can't you turn that pipe dream into a hype dream, right? Hype yourself up about it and believe you can get that and you will get it because the universe is like, oh, that's what you want? Okay, cool. I mean, that's what intention is, right? Intention is the process of putting the totality of everything that is possible into a line of tension so you have a goal on the other side. And then the mind as a servile mechanism knows, okay, what the goal 
is, and then the rest of it is surrendering and getting out of the way and staying still so you can get into a high vibe energy state and bring whatever you want to you, right? The process of manifestation. And one of the things that I was uh, I was laughing about too when you were talking is, yeah, it's like, you know, believe it or not, world at large, we're not just born to work and pay taxes and die, right? There's more magic here. Shocker, I know, right? Like, and it's like, for those that are like, I don't know, it's like, okay, well, do you really want to grow up in a world and believe in a world that is not magical? If you, if that reality honestly feels good for you, then please, by all means, like believe that, right? But I call bullshit. Like I call bullshit. I don't believe that actually feels good for you. I believe you're arguing for your limitations, not your possibilities, because you're in a program that's making you, again, you're in misery. So you're, you're unconsciously trying to pull other people down with you, dude, that's not true. That's a, that's a pipe dream. You can't really do that. These things, right. I've fallen into them too. And then I have to ask myself after a while, why is this what's coming out of my mouth? Why do I actually want that to be true? Right. What does that mean? And, you know, one of the things too, you were talking about with, you know, past generations, especially like our parents' generations whose self-care was on the bottom of the list. You know, I, I heard in a podcast once this guy talking about how, he started tuning into all the stuff we've been chatting about and ended up manifesting a lot of money. And his father came over and they were a different nationality. I forget what nationality, but in this nationality, it was very important as men to do all their own work, right? This is one of the limiting beliefs that his father had, right? I mow my own lawn. I do all my stuff. So he shows up to his son's house and someone's mowing his son's lawn. Son living, lives, in, lives in a mansion, you know? He, his father got really upset with him. He's like, what, you're not a man? Like, you can't mow your own lawn? And he's like, Dad, I don't think you get it. Like, I don't need to mow my own lawn anymore. Like, I can, I have the the means to pay someone else to do that. And hey, that person out there, they enjoy what they do. They enjoy mowing lawns. And now I'm enabling them to own their own business and make money doing what they love. So they don't need to go work somewhere they don't want, right? And his dad couldn't get it. And, you know, this is the thing that for a lot of people listening, I realize how challenging this can be with parents and people around you that, are, are coming from their programming and they're doing the best with the information they have. But really it comes down to what results do you want in your life? Do you want to be 65, just able to retire with maybe enough money to live a comfortable life the rest of your life? Or do you want to take the risk and potentially, I mean, it's really not even a risk when it comes down to it, but do you want to take the metaphorical risk and do what you love? And even if you never retire, you're still doing what you love every single day. It's like, what results are you looking for? And then find people that are getting those results and follow them because there's endless information, right? Like we could get lost in information overload, but really what it comes down to is it's a control alt delete. Okay. I'm only going to listen to the people getting the results I want. And that's why like when this pandemic happened and everything, I looked to certain people, I did my own research and I was like, oh, this is fine. This is exactly what's supposed to be happening right now. And I love that. (laughs) That's exactly it. And that's the mindset that we have to have because a lot of people, it's like, again, the victim role, right? We go through life playing this victim role. Like, oh, why me? Why is this happening? Why is it happening to me? And it's like with everything that's happening right now on the external level, going deeper within that and being able to see through it and to know that like, it's all part of the bigger picture. You have to take a bird's eye view and look from a higher perspective. Like we have beings of light from other planets that are literally sending light and love down to earth right now to help support its healing. Like we have, we are so supported more than we can ever know. And we're supported ourselves as well. So it's like, you know, knowing that, knowing that what we're experiencing right now, like you cannot get, if you get lost in it, then, you know, you're going to go down that rabbit hole and it's going to be a very uncomfortable, unhappy 
and, and a lot of people are like, don't get me wrong. People yeah. that are sitting watching the news all day are in fear-based programming and they're lost yes. in it. They're lost in the narrative. They're lost in the story. They're not seeing through the physical illusion. They're seeing, you know, like everything external is just an illusion because all that we really have is love and all that we have, everything out there is just, you know, like it's not truth. And so we have to be able to see through all of it and understand yes. that like we are the ones that are here on the earth right now to shift us into higher states of consciousness. And the thing that's going to do it is, and you know, there's more light on earth than there's ever been right now because there's more light workers. Like in the time of Jesus Christ, he was one light worker trying to spread the message of love <laughs> and light. You know, the darker forces didn't want that message to get out. So he got yeah. on the cross. But today, like there's so many Jesuses that are spreading love and light. So look how far we've come. There's more light on earth, which means that there's more people waking up than ever before. Even with all the censorship that's happening, there's yes. people waking up. And it's like, it doesn't maybe look like it if we're like feeding into the news and like everything that's going on. But there is, there's people are waking up. People are waking up at warp speed. This is the kind of stuff that needs to happen to wake the people up, to have them start questioning things, to questioning the narrative. And what happens is when these darker forces are losing power, they know that they're losing power. So what do they do? They try to plant more fear, as much fear as possible. They try to create more control, as much control as possible. Oh, now you can't go out and you can't do anything and you can't travel and you can't go to restaurants and you can't go to stores unless you've had, you know, the shot. And it's like, it's just programming and planting more fear and making us separate from the truth of who we are because they know more people are waking up so the more they can plant that fear and the more they can keep us separate from the truth the more we stay asleep because once we wake up they can't control us anymore and then they lose and so that's what we're moving into and that's what we're in the middle of right now is that you know that trying to control trying to it's like they're losing power but they're just trying to hold on they're just trying they're trying anything they can like but eventually the truth prevails i mean you can only cover up the truth for so long and then eventually yes. it comes out and it will. It'll come out for sure. Yeah. I mean, it is coming through. It's being, yeah. but, you know, it is happening. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, I have so many analogies to pop through. The universe speaks to me in analogies and I, I love relaying them back because some of them are pretty funny. And the analogy I got there was it's like the healing crisis, right? Like I've gone through my own fair share of injuries and things like that. And as I've started to heal those, all of a sudden things will even seem to get worse for a little while, right? Before they get better. I mean, the night is darkest before the dawn, right? All of these analogies that, you know, have been in our awareness for a long time, but not really understood. Like we understand it here as a society, like, oh yeah, technically the night is darkest before the dawn, but they don't get like, it's a metaphor, right? I mean, look at the Bible, right? Like, and people think taking everything literally. And, you know, the other analogy I got was, if you're going through a surgery, right, before the surgery, stuff's really messed up, right? And then as soon as they start, like, actually opening you up, yeah, it looks really messy. There's blood. I mean, there's all this stuff happening, right? But it's all to fix you, right? And so at the end, if the surgery goes correctly, you will be stitched up, you will heal back to normal, and whatever problem was there in the beginning will no longer be there, right? And so we're in the, we're under the knife right now, you know? Yeah, and that's, that's why it can look, it. yeah, yeah, that's why it can look so messy, but really, it's just as if you've gone through enough surgeries of your own, you realize, oh, this is just part of it, you know, and then you can come back to love and realize, okay, love and trust. I'm all good. Yeah, that's exactly it. And it's, that's the truth, you know, yeah. like yeah. We, we can't get lost in what's happening out there because if we get lost in it, then it's like, we're not going to be feeling very good every day. We're going to just yeah. be lost in it. So, and we're the ones that are here to make the change. We are the change makers of our time. Like we are the ones we can't be getting lost in it because the more we stay present and stay connected to love and can see through it and know that it's all part of the greater awakening, 
the more we move into it and the more people that wake up, the more it's like, people are like, well, how long is this going to take? People have emailed me. They're like, how long do you think this whole thing's going to take? Well, I'm like, it depends on how many, how quickly we can wake the people up. So if you got a message, like now is the time, don't hold back. Don't keep it in. Like this is the best time more than ever for to speak truth, to spread truth, to spread your message. If you have something in you that, you know, other people can benefit from it's time. As scary as it might be to like put yourself on the line like that and to speak your truth. You just got to do it. Like this is the time yeah. to speak it. Yeah, we are the heroes we've been waiting for. You know, I say that to a lot of the people I've met, like because I firmly believe it. And you know, it's it's very interesting because you know, if we choose to uh, people please, right, which is something I've fallen into before, right. And this was my unconscious belief, and I'll say it in the hopes that maybe someone listening, um, you know, is experiencing something similar. When I started highly optimized. I believed in a lot of stuff, especially as the pandemic's been happening. You know, I believe in a lot of stuff. I don't believe on in, you know, potentially putting my view out there in a way that's like, you're wrong and I'm right, like that side, right? But expressing my view and there was a lot of inside of me like, no, what if people get offended? What if all these things, right? I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. I don't want to like... But here was the thing, right? What I didn't realize was, oh, I never make everyone happy. Like someone's always going to be a hater, regardless of what I say. The only person that is my duty to make happy is myself. And so when I put my authentic voice out there, what if I'm if I'm truly authentic, what will happen is, first of all, there's seven and a half billion people on the planet. I wouldn't want that many people liking me anyway, because it'd be exhausting. So the more you're your authentic self, the more and the more and more people will just fade away. They'll just be like, nope, not listening to that, no nope, listening. And you'll end up pulling in the exact people that are right for you. And that is the best gift to both the people that are right for you and the people that aren't right for you. Because if you put out a voice that's inauthentic, then even the people who are not right for you are going to end up wasting their time on you while they could have found a teacher that spoke to them in a different way, right? So it's like we all have that duty and responsibility to just be vulnerably ourselves, right? And and lead with integrity. It's it's, it's that's so that simple. True. Yeah. And it also connects back to inner child work because it's like, as you start to love and accept yourself, then you know your truth. And then you're like, the only reason that sometimes we're afraid to speak our truth and to put it out there is because we're afraid of criticism and judgment. But once we know that like our truth and once we start to love ourselves, you know, then we no longer are fearful of what other people think. And we're never, mm -hmm. we're no longer afraid of like being judged. I mean, I did a post on Facebook recently and I got like over a hundred comments, people just like, so disappointed in you. I thought you were spreading love and light and you're selfish and this and that. And like in the past, when I wasn't strong in who I am, I would have let those comments take me down. But I'm like, no, not going to get me like, you know, it's triggering. It just triggers things in people. It triggers their own wounds. The only reason, you know, we get those is because it's just triggering them. So once we start to understand ourselves and start to love ourselves, like we're not here to, like you said, we're not people, we're not here to please everybody and yes. our tribe will make its way to us. And if they're not in alignment, then they fall away and they, whatever it is, what it is. That's what it's meant to be. So we can't yes. let that get in the way of us spreading our truth. Bottom line, we're here to speak truth, spread truth, whatever, which way we can. Yeah, I love that. Melissa, this has been such a blast getting to ride with you on this journey and talk about all these amazing things that I love talking about so much. And I know you love talking about so much. And I'm curious, you know, where can I send people to connect with you, to work with you and to find out more about you and keep up with what you're doing? Yes, for sure. So I'm in the process of working on my website. So that's not up and ready yet. But I am on Instagram, Melissa 
underscore Eliyahu and on Facebook, Melissa Eliyahu. And then in my email, they can always email me, Melissa. They call, okay. So people call me mama sunshine. It's just like a name that came through. So <laughs> my email is Melissa at mama sunshine.com. That's pretty easy to remember. So you can always email me to reach out and get on my newsletter um, for my inner child healing workshops, which I have been doing at least every other week, if not monthly. And that's a really powerful, like two hour workshop where you can really dive deeper into this kind of work and connect to that inner child and receive those messages and those downloads and create that connection. And in the moment of creating that connection, you start to see so many shifts happen in your life. I mean, the results that people have gotten from the workshop and the feedback that I've received, it's just like, wow, it's just incredible. And just a couple hours, like just by making that connection it's, it's really transformational. So yeah, I do that. And then I do uh, love coaching, inner child healing, one-on-one love coaching. So that's another part of it. And yeah. That's awesome. Yes. And guys, please, when I tell you like inner child healing is so incredible and so powerful, reach out to Melissa. It's amazing. And you're going to love yourself even more for doing it. And I have one last question for you. And that is this, if someone listening could only make one change to highly optimize their life, what would Melissa Eliyahu suggest that change be? Oh, I would say go within. Just whatever is going on in your external reality, in your life, in your relationship, in your friendships, with your financial situation, the only thing that's going to support you and resolve it and move you back into a state of love is by turning your focus and turning your gaze inwards and getting quiet as hard as that can be. It really, truly is. Go hug a tree, like whatever it takes. <laughs> get present with your feet yes. on the earth. Sit outside and just listen to the birds. You know, we've been running our whole lives. We've been running here and there. We don't need to do that anymore. We're moving into new earth. This is a time of like being, you know, human being. So we no longer need to be running. We can just be, we can be okay with not doing anything. You are enough. You're worthy. You're good enough. You're doing enough. You're being enough. You know, we've been under the spell our whole lives that we need to be doing more. We're not doing enough. And the more we stop and slow down and be okay with just being and going within, then you start to discover your truth. So yeah. Perfectly stated. Guys, when I first found Melissa, I was beyond excited to have her on the show. Her ability to speak to the inner child in all of us in a way that allows us to understand the aspect of ourselves in a clearer fashion is something that, speaking from personal experience, is extremely potent and liberating in nature when traversed. Furthermore, her awareness on topics such as the educational system and our health as individuals and as a collective allows her to pull all of these areas together to ultimately create a higher quality of life for those she works with and those who follow her journey. In that right, if you listened to this episode and are curious to dive in deeper with Melissa, then please do yourself and your inner child a favor by reaching out to her to begin that journey today. Oh, and while I've got your ear, if you enjoyed the show and want to show us some love, then pop over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review as it helps us in getting the powerful messages relayed by our guests out to a larger audience, which we are eternally grateful for. Melissa, thank you so much once again for doing the work you do and for sharing your time with us today on the show. And until next time, journey well, be well, much love over to you. Namaste.
What is up, everybody? I hope you are all enjoying the show, and I wanted to stop by real quick and share a little bit about our latest podcast sponsor, Freedom Builders. Now, Freedom Builders are a team of graphic designers, website creators, videographers, social media marketing experts, and coaches that build out your custom online business from A to Z. This is a done-for-you service, which means they do the work for you while you get to put your focus back on what you love most, which is coaching your clients and bringing in sales. Now, as a former online fitness coach, Mike knows where your struggle points are and exactly how to help you overcome them. This is why he created Freedom Builders, so that you can scale your business while protecting your time and your energy. Now, you guys know that delegation is a business superpower, and you can activate this superpower today by scheduling a complimentary call with Mike at freedombuilders with a z on the end.com so you can start building the freedom that allows you to take your business to the next level. Alex and I recently connected with Freedom Builders for our Connect with Cannabis build out and we could not have been happier with the results. With Mike and his team, they were able to go through an outline and create a personalized program for our experience, develop our brand identity, build and design a custom branded webpage, professionally edit our program video content, custom design all of our slide presentations, automate our email marketing sequences, create a seamless payment system for our offer, design unique infographics for our social media content, and guide us through our proven launch blueprint to generate organic leads through our social media. So if you're a coach, facilitator, or healer listening to this ad right now, and you are looking to put freedom back into your life, once again, go to freedombuilders, with a Z on the end, .com, and book your complimentary call today. I hope you all enjoy the rest of the show, and I'm wishing you the best day ever.